Well, hey guys, welcome back to our study on As a Man Thinketh. I really hope the Ford, you enjoyed the Ford. And today we're actually going to finally dig into um, our first chapter here. Our first chapter is on the chapter on thought and character. Um, we're, we're actually probably going to break this down into uh, three parts. Kind of what we're going to do today is I'm going to do part one, because this, this is a, it's not the biggest chapter as far as you know, length of pages, but it's probably the deepest. And and I really think this chapter helps us get kicked off to where we want to want to go in this uh, study on as a man thinking. So we're going to do it in three parts. I'm going to do the training today on thought and character part one. And then I'm going to show you guys a video on, um, if you guys go to page 24 in the workbook, uh, they, they uh, my mentors, Roddy Galbraith and uh, Paul Martinelli, they created this uh, chart. And I'm going to, I'm going to do a video on them teaching that chart and that's going to be part two. And then part three, we're going to dive into thought and character once again. But uh, today is uh, chapter one, thought and character part one. And this is one of my favorite chapters and perhaps, um, not the favorite. I like some other ones, but this is this is really good, and you're going to kind of see why this is one of my favorites. So, uh, what we're going to do, I think, today is we're going to kind of hit some of the high parts and just share some insights to help you really discover, right? Because the whole purpose that he says right here in the very beginning is that he says uh, the whole purpose is for men and women to stimulate to be stimulated enough to the point where you begin to discover. You begin to discover the truths of your beings for yourself, that you begin to discover that you, yourself, me, myself, we are the makers of ourselves. So what we're going to do, we're going to jump over to page 19 and then probably over to page 23. That's kind of where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. So let's go to page 19. And I like our our book here uh, that we can use. I may put a link in there if you haven't gotten this for you to get that but I've also got the PDF version um, in our program here for you to flip through it. But I like the line numbers here. And so we're on line 12. And what he says here is the aphorism, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Not only embraces the whole, the whole of a man's being, but is so comprehensive as to reach out to every condition and every circumstance of his life. He says, a man is, literally, what he thinks, his character being the sum of all his thoughts. And I think the word is, the word is there is really critical because I think for me, for many times I was thinking that man creates whatever he thinks, that as a man thinketh, so is he. And for, for a while, I wasn't really understanding that, right? I was thinking that, okay, I mean, if I think happy thoughts, or if I think happy things, if I think uh, about my business growing, that my business will grow. And I think I was thinking of it kind of in this outside world and the outside circumstances and conditions. And what he's saying here, though, is man is literally what he thinks. It's the inner game. It's the inner game. It's who you are. It's in your becoming. So there's a different level of understanding that he wants you to understand and become aware of and discover in the creative process of who you are and the creative process of how you and I create uh, the circumstances in our lives. And it starts with your beingness, your beingness. Man is, man is literally what he thinks, literally. So 
That is why being very specific about that vision statement we've been talking about this whole time is very important. And, and, and knowing where it is that you want to go is, is so important. I, you know, in coaching, I tell people, you know, you've got to get clear on your vision or clear on where you want to go. And I think that is the most difficult thing for any of us to do is get clear on where we want to be and do and, and go in our lives. And if you can tell me where you want to go, then I can, I can help you get there. Right. Uh, but, but getting that clarity on where you want to be is first step. And, and that's, that's hard. So let's jump over to page 23 for a moment. And the idea and the idea that I really want to stick in you is that this book is, it's really about self-inventory, right? And it's one of the reasons why I decided to give this particular book, like I said, because it has the reflective questions in there for us to begin to take inventory of ourselves, right? And for you to really dive into the book and to study it. And, and what he says is, only by much searching and mining are gold and diamonds attained. I like that. And man can find every truth connected with his being if he will dig deep into the mind of his soul. See, so oftentimes we are looking in to solve our problems in our life. When, when, our, when our business is in struggle, right? When we're struggling, when there's something wrong in our relationships or in our marriage, we begin to look outward, right? When my business was struggling, we were struggling with it, um, or other struggles came, uh, came upon us. You know, what I would do is, uh, like most people, the first thing I did is I blamed everybody else, right? This is early on before I got to a level of awareness, but I started to blame everybody else. First thing I did was ask other people their opinion. What do you think I should do? And everybody was telling me what, what I should do. I should change the outside world. I should change my marketing plan. I should hire this person to do my marketing. I, I should change the process. I should try to change all these outside circumstances and conditions. And the other thing we tend to do is uh, we like to find someone else to blame. We want to point the finger at someone else and say it's, their fault, right? It's their fault. But in the book, you're going to find it's no, 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 right? It's not about changing the outside thing. It's about changing on the inside. It's about changing inwardly. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying man can find every truth connected with his being if he'll dig deep into the mind of his soul, not the outside circumstances, not the outside conditions. Uh, he says, and that he is the maker of his character. I like that. And that he is the maker of his character. See, I never really thought about it, that, that I was the maker of my character. I just thought that I believe these things because that's the way they are, right? That's the way they were, right? That, I believed it because that's the way I believe, right? That's kind of the way it is. It never realized, I never realized that we are taught, or some of you may have, may have heard the saying, you know, you just have to play the card you're dealt, right? I think that's a saying a lot of us have heard. I don't know where you stand on that or whatever, but you've probably heard it. And I mean, we're taught that it's a metaphor. And you say, hey, look, you know, you just got to play the cards you dealt. And that's just the way it is, right? And, and it never really occurs to us that we can take the cards we've been dealt, throw them into the pile and demand from life a new hand. So we, we are the maker of our character. And Think about what your character is. And regardless of, of so many people, you know, what they'll do is they'll blame their character flaws on their upbringing, right? Or things that happened to them in their childhood or the way someone else behaved. And, and we operate at this lower level of awareness. See what you made me do? You made me mad 
right? You made me upset. And we take on these characteristics because we're a victim of circumstance. We're a victim of outside things. Um, if any of you guys have come to my training, I, you know, well, you see me if you're watching this video, uh, I've got this training on world famous and it's becoming world famous in the eyes of the people who know you best, right? It, it's, it's world famous in the eyes of the people you come in contact with day in and day out, not the people who think they know you, but the people who truly know you. And it's really putting on the attitude of, uh, it's those who, who, uh, are closest to me, love me and respect me the most, right? But one of those is, um, is choose your attitude. If you're going to be world famous, choose your attitude. Your attitude's your choice, right? Not outside circumstances and conditions, as we'll talk in, this, in, in, in depth in this study, but our attitude is our choice. And uh, uh, if you've been to any of trainings I've done, you've heard me tell this story, but our, we've got three kids. And uh, at the time of this recording, they're eight, they're uh, six and four. And our oldest son, he came to me one time and he was mad, man. He, he was so mad. He was crying. And you know, you know how you get so mad sometimes that little, that little bottom lip starts to quiver, right? <laughs> he was so mad. That little bottom lip was just a quiver. And, and um, I asked him, I said, Colton, what's wrong, man? And he said, oh, Brady, Brady just made me so mad. Brady made me mad. And uh, Brady is his four-year-old brother. And I asked him, I said, well, what happened? And he told me Brady said something that made him mad. And I said, Colton, if somebody else can make you mad, if somebody else can make you sad, or if somebody else can make you glad, then you've been had. Somebody else can make you sad, mad, or glad you've been had because what you've done is you've given somebody else complete control over the one thing you have control over, and that is your attitude. Your attitude is your choice. Your emotions are your choice, and you're far too valuable to be given somebody else control over the one thing you have control over. So uh, our attitude is our choice, right? And, and you may you may have heard this too. And of course, uh, we're talking about our upbringing and our, our, our raising. You, you hear somebody who grows up in an abusive family and you think, of course, they're going to be abusive, but not necessarily. You can choose your character. And, and that's what he's saying here is, is you, you're the maker of your character, the molder of his life, the builder of his destiny. And he may unerringly prove if he will. And notice what he says here. He says, watch control and alter his thoughts. Watch. See, that, that's like the enter into an observational thinking. Watch what you're doing. Sit back and, and just kind of observe your life for a moment. Sit back and kind of replay the day and watch and say, hmm, was that, was that the right response there? I mean, could I, could I have done better there? Is there something I, I would have done differently? I mean, how many times, how many times have you guys send an email or a text and you're just, oh, you, you know, you just want to claw it back. You're like, oh, don't press 10, don't press in, right? <laughs> and, and, and you wish you could get that back. But he's saying here, he's saying he's giving you a process, really, right? He's giving you a process. He's saying, watch, then control and control. If we think about control, he's, he's talking here about self-control, right? He's talking about self-control. He's not talking about me controlling other people, me controlling you. He's talking about uh, me trying to control my conditions and my circumstances. And if we understand control, if we think again, the, the meaning of the word in the context in which he's talking about, if we're going to exercise control, that requires a level of discipline, right? 
and, and discipline is really one of the highest levels of conscious awareness there is. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit as well. But discipline is our ability to give ourselves a command and then follow through with it, right? <clears throat> so we're to observe. We're to observe and, and we're kind of entering this kind of observe our lives, right? We're, we're to exercise control. And then what we see is that <clears throat> we are creating something that isn't what we want. Notice what he says here. We are to alter <laughs> our thoughts. We are to alter. And what most people do is they try to change their behavior. And he's saying, nay, nay, no, no. It's not about behavioral change. It's not about behavioral modification. It's about altering your thought because the process that precedes the action, right? We need to, we need to alter that part that precedes the action. So he says, you watch, you control, you alter your thoughts, tracing their effects upon himself, upon others, and upon his life and his circumstances, linking cause and effect by patient practice and investigation and utilizing his every experience, even the most trivial everyday occurrence as a mean of attaining the knowledge of himself, which is understanding wisdom and power in this direction as in no other is the law absolute. He that seeketh findeth to him that knocketh it shall be open for only by patient practice and ceaseless in opportunity, can a man enter the door of the temple of knowledge? And that, that is just so powerful right there. I think he's, he's given you, I don't know what page that was right there, but page 23 from line 71 to 86, I think he's telling you is what he mentioned in the Ford, where he said on line two, it's suggestive, right? It's subject, it's suggestive. <laughs> I think he's giving you a suggestive, I can't even talk, right? Uh, a speaker who can't talk, right? He's giving you a suggestive process of how we look at this, right? Now, I really love uh, the way it's every scrap of life as well. It, it isn't because he says every experience, even the most trivial, the most trivial, and he says linking cause and effect by patient practice and investigation and utilizing every experience, even the most trivial everyday occurrence as a means of obtaining knowledge. And, and I think the point there too is you don't have to wait for the major events, right? You don't have to wait for the major events, although that, that may be helpful, but we don't have to wait for everything to be right. <laughs> we don't have to wait for the perfect conditions and the perfect circumstances so many times we often think that only the big things in life matter, right? We have this tendency to think that big things matter. But I have this teaching uh, that says the answer to the question of what matters is everything. And the answer to the question of who matters is everyone. And, and how many times have you heard, I guess it's kind of uh, urban legend, I guess, but, but I think it's true where they say, you know, I've heard this a couple of times. I haven't done this yet, but I've heard it. And, uh, you know, I, anyway, uh, you know, it's kind of urban legend, but they'll say a business leader is taking a junior associate out for lunch, right? Or out to dinner for a big promotion. And then, and they're going to kind of watch, or she's going to kind of watch how this junior associate interacts with the waiter or the waitress. See, see how they kind of treat the common person and they make or break the deal because of how they, treat other people. And I heard the story about this executive that was taking out a young interviewer to lunch for a new position. And he got to the restaurant and, I, you know, um, I don't know if I, I recommend you guys doing this, but hey, it's a great way to find this kind of stuff out. But what he did was he got there and he told the waiter to mess the young interviewer's order up. 
and and he he's he told the waiters like look do it and I'll, I'll make sure to take care of you right I'll, I'll tip you well but but what the executive wanted to see was how the young interviewer responded right he wanted to see how true his character was so character matters guys it really does and how many times have we heard to hire the person and then you train the skill, right? Don't hire people and then train them to be nice. <laughs> we, we want to hire nice people and then train them to do what we want them to do, right? <clears throat> so everything matters. Every, every, every interaction, even the most trivial, everyday occurrence, and there's a lesson there, right? <clears throat> there's something for us to learn there. there. There's something for us to learn about ourselves. And um, how do we learn it? Well, he's given us, right? We watch. We observe, we be disciplined, we, we be willing to kind of alter our thoughts. So it's not where we're trying to force our will on other people, right? We recognize that we want to change the conditions and circumstances. If we recognize that, <clears throat> the starting point is with us, right? We start with ourselves. And he's talking here about not just changing our thoughts about the creative side of thinking. He, he's talking in this chapter, he's talking about the starting point with the character of who we are which I think is really powerful. And I, you know, I really want to go back just, just a bit here. Um, there's something really great, but on line 74, um, line 74, I want to read this out loud. I want to read this out loud uh, right here. <clears throat> he is the maker of his character. So he's the maker. So this is what I want to go back to. He, he is the maker of his character, the molder of his life and the builder of his destiny. And if we're saying he's choosing words very deliberately here, he's making that we make our character, we mold our life. So molding is kind of what's well, already there, isn't it? You know, it's something there and you, you kind of already build it and take it into shape and, and building our destiny. So I think they're important. If you go to line 27 on page 20, at the beginning, this, uh, this little poem, right? He's got this little poem. Thought in the mind hath made us. What we are by thought we wrought and built. So, so that word wrought, I think is really interesting, right? I, I think that's a really interesting word there because wrought is kind of like hammering out, right? You think about wrought iron. Wrought iron is kind of iron that you heat up and you, you hammer it like a blacksmith, right? And so from his age and that era that he's living, that would have been part of everyday life, right? And, and the image that I get is a blacksmith, right? A blacksmith, he, he's putting it in, he's heating this thing up, and then he's taking out his hammer and he's hammering and he's hammering and then he's making it into shape and he's hammering and he's got this piece of iron and he's and he's hammered into the right shape and then he's trying it against the horse's hoof and then he's hammering a bit more and then putting it in the water and, and doing all these things so it's kind of wrought right it's wrought it's hammered into shape by the blows of the hammer and he's saying here that our character is wrought and built we are we are by thought what we've wrought and built. And just think about that. Just, I mean, just kind of sit in that just for a second, right? So by thought, our character is being molded. What we are, our character is being molded by thought. So thought is the process, but it's not, you know, um, thinking about this, I've, I've thought about this for a little bit, but I used to think that thought was the hammer, you know, but I think thought is part 
of the hammer, if you follow, follow me with it on this just for a second, but, but a thought is the charge, right? It's the, it's the experience because you have to, you have to put it into an experience, right? And we're kind of shaped by life, aren't we? So, so it's really the two together. So, so what we are shaped by in the world lived out in the world. It's not just our thinking on the big things. It's our thought in really everything. It's everything. It's the trivial thing. You're always creating, right? You're always creating, always becoming something, always stitching. But each stitch, you know, each stitch follows what was there before. That's why I, I like this molding. You're kind of shaping your character um, from what's already there, right? But, <clears throat> but you can see it at any moment, at any time to change direction or build a new or go in a different direction. And, and often I think that character is kind of forged in the form, uh, you know, it, it's kind of forged in the furnace of failure, isn't it? I mean, it's the failure that gives the most shaping blows to change the way we are. And think about how, how we are so attached to trying to avoid failure all the time, right? We try to avoid failure, but that kind of keeps us from, that, that kind of keeps us in the same shape, right? If we're, you know, if we're not trying new things or not trying to get out there and we're, we're afraid of failure, that kind of keeps us where we are. It retards our growth. It prevents us from truly learning the lessons, you know, that we need to learn and, and learning the, the lesson. I mean, how many times, how many times have we said, well, it's, it, it builds character, when we fail, it builds character, right? Uh, but there's truth in that. There's some truth in that. It, it does build character. It does build character, which leads to growth. And I know <clears throat> many successful people say that they have many more failures than successes. And that they are, you know, if you think about, if you ask somebody who's super successful, they'll tell you many times that they are standing on a mountain of a bunch of failure. But failure is success's constant companion, right? And there's no doubt about it. And we don't realize that that's the inner game. It, it comes from an inner game. Your character matters, my friend. Your character, my character matters, right? And it shapes your life. It shapes my life. And think about when you meet someone new. When you meet meet them, what they're really doing, what we're always doing when we're meeting someone is in the very first interaction with a human being is we're kind of judging their character, right? Because it matters. I mean, we are. So if you think about that, if everybody who meets you, if everybody who interacts with you is drawing a conclusion about who you are based on their perceptions of your character, then they're going to make decisions whether they're going to do business with you or not, right? Whether they're going to give you an introduction or not. Or, or, or be a reference for you or not, right? And, and then, a, then you say, of course, our character shapes our life because, you know, I love it when people say, well, I don't need anybody. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you sure about that? You sure you don't need anybody? I, guys, we absolutely need other people. I love it when people say, well, I don't care what other people think about me. And you better care. <laughs> you better care. See, I, look, I care a lot about what you guys think of me on this program. I care a lot about what people think. Now, there's a, a good check and balance here, right? And in, in First Samuel, God tells Samuel about choosing David to be the next king. He says, "Look at look at the outward appearance." Um, or I'm sorry. He says, "People look at the outward appearance, but but the Lord looks at the heart." So when people say, "Well, you shouldn't judge me based on my appearance," well, guys, newsflash. Newsflash, people do, people do. God, the Bible says God judges people by the heart, but newsflash, people judge based on the outside circumstance, outside, you know, appearance. So I, you know, I'm saying the first impressions, it really does matter. And your appearance does matter to an extent, right?
it matters to an extent. But ultimately, when you think about what people think of me, it's really about what they think of my character, right? What do they think about my character? It, it is all we really have. And we, we would, you know, we would really defend our, our reputation. It's a big thing. And it's one of the things that I think biggest, uh, the biggest dangers to our young people right now is our young people, young people don't realize in the digital age when, when they're like seven or eight or 10 or 14 or 15 years old and they do these stupid things that we've all done. I mean, now it is memorialized forever, right? With social media and your iPhone and those kind of things. And how many times have you seen a young person come out of college and they go to this job interview and they go back, you know, the interviewer will go back to their MySpace page, right? <laughs> Which are like tons of years ago. But they'll, you know what I'm saying? They'll check their Facebook, their Instagram, all those kind of things, some tweet they put out. And, um, and they're checking that, right? I mean, character matters. And what they're looking at is character. It really is. And, and their behavior and what their character is. And it matters um, what people think. It really does. And what they're thinking of us and summing us up is our character. So character is really a big deal. And we, and we do make and mold our character, uh, make ourselves by our characters, uh, character, our character. And uh, we can choose our character. Um, just share a story real quick. Um, many of you guys know that I grew up in a single family home. My father left my mom when I was three years old and I was raised for the early part of my life by my mom and my grandmother. I, I didn't really have that real father figure, as you would say, or that good example of what a man should be and how a man should treat his kids or how he should love his wife. And, and, and I could use that as an excuse for me to have character flaws and the only thing worse than an excuse is a good excuse, right? And, and many people do allow their past conditions and circumstances or even their current circumstances and conditions to be a scapegoat for their character. And I think what he's saying here in the book is that the purpose of this book is for you to discover that you're, that you, you are the maker of yourselves. You may not be at fault. You may not be at fault, but you are now responsible, and there's responsibility, I think he's calling us forward and directly to the sentence we're, we're at, wrought by our own thought, wrought and built, wrought by our own thought. Who controls us ultimately what you think? You do. Who controls ultimately what I think? I do, right? Because, because it's not just experience, is it? It's how you perceive the experiences and then how you use them to grow and shape uh, future character. And I think Earl Nightingale, I think it's Earl Nightingale, <clears throat> but, he, but he had this example of, you know, two twins and uh, they had an alcoholic father and one of them was an alcoholic and one wasn't. And when I asked the one who wasn't an alcoholic, how come, you know, how come you're not an alcoholic? And he would say, well, my father's an alcoholic. How in the world could I be an alcoholic, right? And then you ask the other, the other one, how come you're an alcoholic? And he would say, well, my father's an alcoholic. How could I not be, right? <laughs> you know, so, so it's our perception as well of our circumstances and conditions. So, our character matters. It really does. And I know I've said that, but I hope I'm wrought and building, building this into your mindset that our character matters. And uh, let's look at line 17. Um, line 17 here. Yeah, line 17. As the plant. I, I, love, I love the metaphors in this book, right? <laughs> They're just so good. The metaphors are good and clever. Actually, before I say that, we're, we're talking about character. And um, as we're talking, I was just thinking... I didn't mention in the four, but I touched on it in our five-day 
uh, from the five day launch video, but I normally mention it at the beginning, but the five key areas, let's just talk about that just real quick. Okay. But the five key areas that we want to set goals for in life, because that, I think that sets up this next piece and um, let's, Let's take a look at that. I know I've done some bonus videos on that, but I really want to get you, help you understand here. And I think what we want to do is not just certainly set goals, but I, but I think what we want to do is whenever we're entering into a learning something, we want to look at the five key areas of our life and kind of filter the thinking through them, right? Kind of filter our thinking through these five key areas, the areas we'd like to like to go in or grow in. And we should have a goal in each one of those, a vision for each one of those. And there, these are areas of your life that you should have a purpose statement in, right? These are areas of your life that you, you have a vision statement in. So you'd have a purpose, you have a vision and a goal in each one of these five key areas. And you'd also want to take inventory of your current level of awareness. So first is your spiritual life, right? <clears throat> you should have a purpose for your spiritual walk. You should have a goal for yourself spiritually. You should have a vision for what you want your life to look like spiritually, right? And, and you, sh you should be seeking a new level of awareness spiritually. So in that case, it would be an awareness of your oneness with your creator, with God, right? And the second would be your primary love relationships. These would be the, the people that you love. It could, it's your family, your friends, and, and, and that you're deeply connected to and that you love. And you should have a goal for that relationship and a vision for that relationship and a purpose for that relationship. And you should be operating at a certain level of awareness for expanding that relationship and bringing your whole self to that relationship. Uh, John Maxwell talks, a side note here, John Maxwell talks about, you know, relationships <clears throat> and the person will come to him, well, how much should I give in the relationship here? Is it, is it 50, 50, you know, I'm in a relationship with my spouse. Do I give 50 and she gives 50 or he gives 50, you know, what is it? And John's like, no, it's 100, 100. You bring 100% and they bring 100%, right? So you bring your whole self. But the, the next one is the, the freedom is the expression of freedom in your life. And this would be your time and your money and how you express yourself. Are you free to express yourself in time and money? And certainly we should have a vision, we should have a purpose, and we have, should have a goal for a life with time and money. And we should have a level of awareness around money. And the next would be your own personal growth and development. And uh, hey, fantastic for all of you. You're obviously one of those people, right? You're serious about growth and you're, you are people who operate in a higher level of awareness. And I, I think, you know, uh, I applaud you guys. Uh, it, I, I think we're in the minority really, right? Because look, you could be in Legacy Builders. You could be, if you've just bought this program, you could be in this program trying to gain just one insight into your life to understand who you are and whose you are at just a higher level of awareness to grow personally and professionally. Or, or you could be binge watching Netflix and eating Cheetos on the couch, right? But you are here. You are here. And you guys are certainly at a higher level of awareness. So, and lastly, the last area uh, would be this area of how we tr uh, treat, honor, and maintain our body temple, right? Our physical body. So we should have a goal for our health. We should have a vision for our health and a purpose for our health. And we should have an awareness of where we are in our health. So as we go through this study or each individual chapter or principle, allow these five areas to kind of serve as filters through how you think and how you listen, right? 
So it's interesting because different times of life, we're going to focus, you know, our focus changes, right? Um, those things become different. So like right now, I'm really focusing in on my, my, my spiritual growth and my personal growth, right? And, and, and that's what I'm focusing on right now. It doesn't mean that I, I don't have financial goals. It doesn't mean that I don't have health goals. But right now, I'm really, you know, I, I'm really giving it more of a focus in that spiritual and the financial side. It needs more consideration than I'm doing. I'm watching, I'm observing, I'm exercising in a level of discipline, right? And, and it's requiring me to alter my thoughts, right? And, and, and it's an active process, isn't it? I mean, it, it, is what I'm working, is what I'm doing working, right? Is, is, is it working? Okay, it's not. Why is it not? Where's it not working? What can I do to make it better? That's the watching and the controlling piece. So notice, notice one other thing. Isn't it interesting, all that I just said, it's, it's I, 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 right? Because it really is an I thing when it comes to this, right? Because I'm the one who needs to do it. Who can I blame? Me, right? So let's look at page 17. Page seven, uh, line 17, I'm sorry, line 17. <clears throat> I think it's 17. No, page 17. Page 17. Uh, character is at the root of all those things, all those things, areas, whichever direction you're going to grow in, and you should grow in all of them. It's the character. So it's the inside thing. So that's, uh, let me find where I'm really going. Um, and, and while I'm looking for that, if you're looking for help or, or looking for a mentor or looking for somebody to coach you and help you, I mean, we always say go to someone that's got the results that you want to get, right? So if you're looking for financial help, then you want to go to someone who's got the, that financial success. If it's health and find someone that's got health success. But when you see someone whose life is kind of together, you can see that they understand the principles of success, which are the same and kind of different areas, the fundamental principles, and they've, they've been able to been able to generalize it from one area to another, then you know that they really understand and the principles, they understand these principles because they can apply it to different areas. And, and, and I think that's who you're looking for. And I think that's a really good guide. And, and, and it's really their character. Um, I just had the opportunity um, <clears throat> usually go out twice a year to Orlando to, to hang out with John Maxwell, right? Got canceled this year, um, but but kind of get to hear from him and see some of John. So we look at someone like John Maxwell, and there's lots of thought leaders out there, right? There's a lot of people who teach leadership, but why is John 10 years in a row, guru.com names him the number one leadership expert, right? He just won the Horatio Alger Award, the Mother Teresa Luminary Award for Peace. And, and I mean, these are things of character, right? He's not, not being acknowledged um, and not being big headed or boastful or anything like that. He's not being acknowledged for writing books, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, those are recognitions of character, right? Who, who he's been as he's created and achieved these levels of success. And I think it's character. It's his character. And I think it's something that really matters. And um, I mean, if you want to grow your business, uh, start right here with character, right? Start right here in this chapter, thought and character, start with character. Uh, because the truth is one of the things I realized <clears throat> when I had our PT business was all of my competitors, they could buy the same leg press machine I could. They could buy the same Daraband and mat table I could, right? They could buy the same exercise equipment or whatever. They had access to the same physician base I had. And in some cases, the same client base, right? They had access to the same employment base. But what was different about our company was how we treated people, right? And, that, and for us, that was a character decision. It was a character decision. Now, 
I'm going to be transparent. <laughs> you know, I had to grow to that level of maturity when, when I first started my business and really in my career, I, I wasn't there. Right. I, I mean, I, I was not there and it, it, it it's a process. And, um, I think sometimes people can kind of get frustrated with, with, you know, they'll look at themselves and compare it to other people. I know I, I fall into this uh, at times, but um, we're all on a journey, right? And uh, stick to your journey. Don't compare your journey to somebody else, you know, um, stick to your journey. So um, anyway, and, and I don't think anybody starts out with seasoned character, right? It's through experience and failure moving forward that really gradually shape that character. And hopefully if you get in the right circle of people, they'll bring out those pieces. And I think with our legacy builders, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if you can find something better, right? But, but when we were truly striving to run our company from a level of integrity, a level of respecting and honoring our team members, our, our, our employees, and not seeing them as less than, but seeing them as with respect and, and as somebody of value, people of value who value people, right? One thing I know for sure after hanging out, um, having our business and doing training with organizations that people quit people, y'all. People quit people. And if you're a leader, and, and if, you're, if you're in this program, you're a leader. If you're a business owner, if you're a manager, and if your character isn't right, I'm just going to tell you, high performers aren't going to stay. High performers have like a zero tolerance policy for people who aren't of character, right? So again, when you think about how does character mold everything, it molds and shapes everything, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. And I think that's one of the reasons why this is, this is uh, one of my favorite chapters, I think, because of the importance of character. And I just want to go to the analogy here of the plant, like I was trying to go to on line 17, because I think it's so clever. I know it's saying page 17, but it's line 17. It's a great analogy. And I think it's well written, right? And I think he describes it really well. But see for yourself here on line 17. <clears throat> As the plant springs from and could not be without the seed, so every act of man springs from the hidden seeds of thought and could not have appeared without them. And, and, and then he says, this is equally true. It applies equally to the acts that are spontaneous and unpremeditated as to those that are deliberately executed. And then, then he goes on, I think, the 23. Mm, I like this. <clears throat> Act is the blossom of thought and joy and suffering are its fruit. So if you just think of that analogy, so you got, <clears throat> you got some seeds, we got some plants, we got blossoms and we got fruit, right? And he's talking about character being the complete sum of all of our thoughts. So character, we've really got to get, we know persistence and resilience and courage and all of those things I think of character, but we've got to think about the subconscious mind as, we, as being the garden where all those things kind of grow, right? And, and if you haven't got great character now or, or no one's character isn't finished, but then you're going to get where you are, uh, where you want to go from where you are, right? So that's the garden, where, where you've got to grow these things. And, and, and he's saying here, by using that as a plant, as the plant springs from and could not be without the seed, so every act of man springs from the hidden seeds of thought. So we've got thoughts, and they're dropping into the, to the fertile soil of the subconscious, and it's growing seeds. They're, they're growing into plants, and, and what do plants represent, right? Well, plants represent beliefs. 
where beliefs are taking root into our subconscious mind. And then, then from these plants, he's saying act is the blossom of thought on line 23. So from our acts, then from our beliefs, then our acts, and then the results that we get from those are the joy and suffering. That is the fruit of the blossom. So the blossom is our action and the results that we get is the fruits. So the plant springs from the seed, but then what springs from the plant? <laughs> More seeds, isn't it? Isn't it right? So, so the seed, the seed then proliferate, right? It becomes more seed from the plant. So we end up with more and more of the same beliefs. And it's similar to uh, similar beliefs growing in fertile subconscious mind because it's the same kind. So, so that's how our character, it kind of shapes and is spreads. That's why it needs to be changed and shaped into something new. We've got to take what's already there. And some of these plants we've got to get rid of. We've got to remove because they're not going to remove themselves. And we've got to do the heavy pruning, right? We got, we got some heavy pruning. I don't know about you guys. I got some heavy pruning that I need to do sometimes, right? But we've got to get right. We've got to prune some of those beliefs. And some we need to create new ones, right? Some of them we need to create new ones in order to change our results. And it can't be by any other way. It can't by, be by any other way. And, that, and that's for things that we think are just spontaneous that we're doing are coming from these beliefs too, right? And things that are deliberately executed as well. So it all comes from our character. And these plants that are in our subconscious mind and the acts come from those beliefs and, and more thoughts as well. So, so we're tapped into that level of thinking. Now we're, we're just coming probably, we should um, probably break this lesson soon because you, I mean, we can get stuck into these layers of character with what you believe and why you see the world influences the way you're thinking and all that kind of good stuff. And, um, I think we're going to dive into that a little bit later, but I think this just sums it up beautifully. Could I mean, I don't think it could be better written, right? I don't think it could be better written. He says, as this plant springs from and could not be without the seed, so every act of man springs from the hidden seeds of thought. Mm, that's powerful. <laughs> that's good. Uh, oh, one last thing. One last thing before we, we end this. It just kind of hit me. is It's the idea of pruning, right? And, and I think pruning is really a critical process of growth, right? Because what you're, what you're pruning is, is what is not perfect, right? So in order to prune and to prune effectively, you have to have a model of what perfection is. So think of the botanist who's trying to grow the most beautiful rose, right? It first requires that that botanist have an image of what perfection is. And then what they must do is they have to look at what is, they have a mental image of what is perf perfection. So there's a vision that they've glorified in their mind, right? They've enthroned in their heart. It's an ideal. So they have this vision. And then they look at what's currently there, what is. And then they observe, they watch. And anything that is not perfect is not a match for that. Or anything that, that prevents the full expression of the perfection gets snipped away. And that snipping away is forever, right? Once snipped, it's snipped and continually. And when we make that cut away, what we expect then is new growth. We don't expect that when we prune that it's not going to grow again. We expect it's going to burst in new life. It's going to blossom. So I, I think this is beautiful and a beautiful metaphor. And as a believer, we have this right in scripture, right? Right in scripture, John 15, where, where we have the image of perfection, Jesus. Jesus Christ is our perfection. And Jesus says he is the true vine and the God the Father is the vine dresser. And he prunes all those that do not bear fruit, right? So, so they can produce even more fruit. 
he prunes away and cuts back. So we really think into this as, as you are trying to reflect. It's really we need to seek the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit on what, is, what it is that we need to prune and to show us what needs to be done away with, right? And, I, I, man, I just I love that. I think we could record that and I'll listen to back, back to that a few times. But last thing is that all throughout the work that, that I'll teach in this course and all, all of our courses, there are some fundamental things that I believe. And I believe that everything is created through a process, um, that there's no such thing as luck or chance. Ain't no such thing. So when he looks at the word we see here, uh, what is it on? Line 20, he says, spontaneous. Uh, we would look at the writing of Henry David Thoreau in his writing of Walden, where he says, if one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live a life that they've imagined, that they will meet with success. And he says, at unexpected common hours. This, this is kind of the spontaneous, like on any given Tuesday, right? But all of this creation the plant springs from is all governed by law. And he says on line 32, line 32, man is growth by law and not a creation by artifice, right? It's on page 20, page 20. Man is a growth by law. So the law that we're working with, when we think of thought and character, we're working with all the laws, but I think the law that we really want to understand here is the law of gender because it doesn't happen immediately. And that's why there is such a disconnect because we are so used to seeing kind of cause and effect. If, if I let go, if I let this go, right, what happens? Right. I mean, you know, it drops. We're governed by law. But uh, some of these laws, we this happens. I drop it and we can see it happening. Right. But the law of gender says there's a gestation period. There's a period of time. We, we don't know how long it's going to happen. So uh, we're dealing with character and it doesn't happen all at once. It happens over time, right? And, and that's what he's saying here. You're the complete sum. It's the complete sum. And that's why he says that every one of these things matter over time, over the course of our life. And isn't it true that our character is being molded all through life? It's all through life. There, there are times when your character for integrity, your character for honesty, your character for dependability is given an opportunity. It's being tested. And it's challenged at different levels all the time. And, and then it's being molded. And another reason I think I like this analogy is it's easy to understand, right? It's easy to understand the law of gender at work with seeds and plants, isn't it? Because we know that you plant a seed and you can calculate almost to the day when it's going to sprout and turn into a plant. For you guys that know that kind of stuff, you, you, you know that. So it's easy to understand with plants, but it's much more difficult with character and thinking and, and then results in the physical world, isn't it? Because we don't see it immediately, do we? And, and there's a lot more forces at work here, but, it, but it's law. And we don't see the fertile field, right? Because that's in our mind, right? We're not aware of it. So I, I think there's so much here, but I think we, we probably only looked at <laughs> maybe five sentences, maybe, and we probably talked for an hour. I don't know how long we've gone, but uh, man, we could talk a whole lot more just about this character. But I think we'll stop there for today. And uh, let's, let's end with our quote. <clears throat> the one that, the, the vision that you glorify in your mind, the idea that we enthrone, right? I think that's on page 113 lines seven through nine in the book i think that's it it's so good the vision we glorify in our mind the ideal we enthrone in our heart this we build our life by and this we become guys i hope this has added value to you today uh, I, I hope it really has i look forward to digging into our next lesson um hope you guys have a great day and god bless